The Perception podcast today takes a bit of a darker turn as we focus on myth versus reality, Breaking Bad versus Albuquerque, The Wire versus Baltimore. Thank you for joining the Perception Podcast. This is Tom Garrity of the Garrity Group Public Relations based in Albuquerque, where we help small businesses to be heard and large organizations to be understood in New Mexico. And joining me today on the Perception Podcast is someone I've had the opportunity to know for a number of years through a group called the Counselors Academy, which we can chat about briefly here too. But his name is Greg Abel of Abel Communications in Baltimore, Maryland. Greg, welcome. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me on the podcast. You bet. Glad that you're here. Um, Well, so what initiated our conversation today uh, is basically two TV shows. Uh, In Albuquerque, it's Breaking Bad. In Baltimore, it's The Wire. And we're not going to provide, you know, kind of any spoiler alerts if you haven't had a chance to binge watch either of the programs. It's just more about perception. But before we get into that perception, uh, how how would you describe Baltimore? to someone who's never been there before? Well, that's a great question because Baltimore is many things. So it might depend on context if they were coming for a, a business trip in a couple of days or they're moving here and they want to know what the city is really like. Um, but to answer your question, Baltimore is, is, is one city and many cities. It is a city um, that was formerly uh, defined by uh, a strong manufacturing economy that has since gone away. So where there used to be a lot of steel making, for example, um, in the area. Bethlehem Steel, 40 years ago, had 40,000 employees in in Baltimore, maybe 50 years ago. Um, There's a season of the wire that's about the port and and steel making and the port are intertwined. And a lot of the blue collar jobs that paid well have unfortunately gone away. So from an economic standpoint, Baltimore's um, blue-collar past has shifted to more of a services in- industry economy. you got a lot of banking and finance here. Um, so some of the big players in the region are T. Rowe Price and Lake Mason. These are large financial companies. And then you've got um, you know, Under Armour is based here, and they're very much intertwined with sort of the spirit of Baltimore as a gritty underdog. You know, they're their uh, slogan is protect this house, which is kind of a, a thing that I think people think about. And, and Baltimore is um, very often perceived from the outside as a city that's troubled and not a great place to live. But perhaps like a lot of places, the people who do live here have a lot of pride in it and know of its charms um, beyond maybe what you see on television or the news. And so um, I would I would add that it is a um, it is a very segregated city. It has historically been segregated, which is, you know, unfortunate and a, and a topic of um, debate and, and discussion all the time. Um, it, it certainly has had its challenges and problems that continue as we speak with violence. Um, we unfortunately have a high murder rate for a city of our size, among the highest in the country. So that's a big problem. And then what Baltimore also has going for it is its location in the middle of the East Coast between Philadelphia and Washington, just a you know three-hour train ride to New York, a beautiful downtown harbor, a whole lot of development along the water in the downtown neighborhoods where you can go to a great restaurant and overlooking you know the ships on the harbor and you know there, there's been a wonderful burgeoning restaurant scene that's been happening for the last few years. So. You know, you could probably tell just by what I've mentioned so far that it's many cities in one, 
Um, and it has many problems and many charms. And we all who live here try to um, do, the, do our best to talk about what's great and, and address um, our problems in realistic ways. And, and none of these things are, are easy or short term in terms of solution and change. Wow. Very well said. Um, and uh, I wanted to see ships because we don't, you know, the closest ship we have in New Mexico is Shiprock, <laughs> which is a fantastic site uh, out <laughs> on the Navajo reservation. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I've, I've never really had the opportunity outside of BWI to really experience the charm and hospitality of Baltimore. Uh, Albuquerque, uh, by you know, contrast, is, uh, is a very multicultural city as well. Uh, you know, we have a, a number of issues like any growing, uh, you know, town does, uh, being the urban center for New Mexico. Albuquerque is the, the financial center. It's also, um, you know, the largest city in the state, the largest media market. And as a result, if, uh, something happens in Albuquerque, as far as that's bad, it gets amplified, uh, throughout the state. And sometimes disproportionately, just because the media is here as opposed to, um, being in Estancia, which is maybe about 20 minutes outside of Albuquerque or uh, Rio Rancho or anywhere on the uh, Native American reservations. Uh, multicultural as well. Um, you know, we have a uh, you know, very strong Native American population in New Mexico. Uh, Albuquerque and New Mexico itself is actually minority majority state. Uh, and mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, uh, about 47 percent Hispanic. Uh, and then, uh, you know, other ethnicities uh, tear uh, down from that particular perspective. Uh, crime uh, has been one of the things that has really skyrocketed over the last uh, several years. It was a major issue in the last uh, mayoral campaign, which was about two and a half years ago, uh, and continues to be an issue uh, for various different reasons. Um, the culture is fantastic here. Um, you know, the, you know, the, the food is reflective of that, but also, um, you know, really kind of looking at the, uh, the cultural influences, uh, in old town and the South Valley, uh, and the North Valley, you know, both are very, uh, different types of, uh, you know, cultures. If you're wanting to explore all of that as a tourist, you can, you know, be enjoying, you know, some great enchiladas, uh, down at, uh, Borellis coffee house. Uh, and then in, you know, uh, just about 20 minutes time, uh, be at the, uh, at the Sandia Peak Tramway to head up to 10,400 feet, uh, to the top of Sandia Peak. So, you know, definitely a lot of different, uh, you know, things to do in Albuquerque. When I was preparing for this, for a conversation today, I asked, a good friend of mine who's in the media, whose name I will not use. So people's trying to reverse engineer to say, well, who did Tom talk to? <laughs> um, you're not going to find out because I know a lot of reporters. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I asked this person to basically describe the wire and to describe Breaking Bad to basically set that table for our conversation. And uh, this person writes that the wire essentially started out as a story about crooks and the cops who tried to catch them. Then it used that lens to peel away at the chronic problems in Baltimore, drugs, poverty, corruption, cronyism, and a failed education system. Breaking Bad followed Walt's descent into uh, from good to bad and made Albuquerque a character in the story. The big sky, stark landscape, and authentic locations helped to make the fictional story seem real. And so that's 
this reporter's assessment of the two different programs helped set up our conversation. Uh, would you generally agree with The Wire as, as far as the, the perception of The Wire? I, generally, yes. I think um, that that description is accurate. I would add that the city of Baltimore is as much a character in The Wire as Albuquerque is to Breaking Bad. And, and David Simon, the creator, has said as much. You know, he, he intended that to be the case. And so I think the there, this is a many-layered subject, but the overall kind of story arc of The Wire includes police um, uh, the, and their, you know, re- effectiveness and ineffectiveness and leadership and lack of leadership. It's also about, you know, the a marginalized part of our society and how they have to get by. And, you know, when you don't have access to um, jobs in a traditional economy, um, then you find an underground economy. And this mm-hmm. is a way of life that The Wire peeled back and showed that this sometimes is not a job of choice, but a job of necessity, that job being a drug dealer, right? Mm -hmm. And so we learn these things through the wire. It's not a nonfiction show. It's a fiction show, but it's based on the reporting and and views of someone who covered cops and courts and and this world for a long time at the Baltimore Sun, our largest daily paper. And so what you have then is this sort of reflective long-term look at a city and its many intertwined problems that, you know, it takes a deep look at um, the politicians and their motivations. Some of them, you know, inherently good, some of them self-serving, some of them corrupt. And so it's not just the violence and the drug dealers and the cops. It's kind of like this web of connections. Um, I think the phrase from this show is everything is connected, right? So how the cops operate, the, the history of segregated communities in our uh, city and the um, inaccessibility of kind of traditional, um, you know, access to quality education and mentorship in some of the marginalized neighborhoods leads to some of these systemic problems we have. And these are not issues that you can neatly wrap up in a 60-minute TV show or even an investigative newspaper piece. And that's why The Wire is so compelling and why it has such lasting power is because it gives you uh, like a really deep dive into what it is like to live and come up in poverty, also what it's like to be a cop and a detective, and how those worlds interact with one another. So it's as much about that as it is about like Baltimore, um, and Baltimore is where it's set. So you can't separate the two, but it's also just about how people who are marginalized get by. And it's really, you know, it's that the storytelling, isn't it? Uh, you know, as far as that, both The Wire and Breaking Bad, that those are the that's the one thing that you know they are both very good at is telling different stories and reflecting the character of the towns that they represent, which is a kind of um, uh, aspect of the character of the of the towns that they represent, I should say. <laughs> but um, so. I'm often, you know, if I'm at beer club or chatting with some friends and there's a lull in conversation, um, I can almost always get a rise out of someone um, when I ask, is Breaking Bad good or bad for Albuquerque? (laughs) And, you know, no one is short of opinions on that. So let me kind of, you know, twist the, you know, turn the tables on you. Is The Wire good or bad for Baltimore? What a question. I. I, I have a hard time with it, and I will answer it, but I, I want to just provide a little context, which is that I know 
I don't know David Simon, but I've met him and uh, talked to him about this topic. And he is, I can tell you, and he said it to me, that he takes no responsibility for the wire being negative for Baltimore. What he is is a storyteller, and he shed light on what is, as opposed to providing some kind of you know um, violent or different version of a city that doesn't exist. It may as well be nonfiction, right? So is it good or bad for Baltimore? Um, it is both. It is bad in that there is sort of this knee-jerk perception that the wire equals violence and crime and corruption and danger, um, right? The wire itself, that is a phrase that was about wiretaps to catch drug dealers. So, like, that's not good to associate with a city as kind of who you are, right? So that's not good. Um, I would say, though, that one of Baltimore's kind of unique I, I'm not sure what the right word is, but but facts about the city is that it inspires a lot of art that goes beyond um, the city and makes an international impact. You know, you have John Waters is from here. Barry Levinson is from here. Um, you know, Tupac took classes at the Baltimore School for the Arts. And you have a, a history of filmmaking and art creation um, and, a, and a city that's very gritty and um, kind of like aware of its <laughs> of its deep flaws but then also like inspires all this creativity that comes bursting out and the wire is part of that so it's like it becomes a canvas of sorts for very interesting creative energy and because of that i think the wire is also good in that it's 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 among a list of things that the city has inspired now it doesn't it hasn't inspired kind of like Good PR. We're in the PR game, so you wouldn't make the wire to promote your city, but you would also hold it up as an example of some of the amazing um, creative energy that the city inspires. Hmm. Fascinating. And I would say from uh, Breaking Bad perspective, uh, and I'm going to provide some background before I give my answer. Yeah, I want to know what you think. Yeah. <laughs> I liked how you kind of set that up. It was very, very yeah. well done. Uh, is that back several mayoral administrations ago, uh, the city made a conscious effort to promote Albuquerque through the police department uh, on a show known as Cops. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the early seasons just focused on Albuquerque. That was a very you know, big program. In fact, I'm sure some cable network somewhere is is airing it uh, in its entirety, or you can find it on Netflix, perhaps. Who knows? Uh, but outside of Bugs Bunny complaining that he should have made a left turn in Albuquerque, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the city really wasn't on anybody's radar. In fact, I remember when I was living in Miami, uh, listening to Larry King one night, you know, the epic radio commentator, radio host. Uh, this is before I moved to New Mexico. Uh, he was challenging his listeners uh, to call in and try and spell Albuquerque. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, what? You know, that wasn't very nice, but it was, it was everybody kind of came in and they, of course, you know, chopped up the spelling and he, he didn't allow anybody from Albuquerque to, you know, call in. But, uh, but, you know, he made a good point that oftentimes, you know, a town isn't always what it seems as far as from the outside looking in and it's not always easy to spell either. And so with all of that said, you know, that I think that Breaking Bad, was good for Albuquerque because it provided relevancy to the conversation. Uh, it made Albuquerque relevant to pop culture uh, yeah. in an area that it really hadn't ever been. Now, mm -hmm. 
I think where the challenges come for Albuquerque has it's seen in uh, it's seen in the that we're kind of we set that Breaking Bad set that bar so low as far as what that expectation is of you know human existence <laughs> that Albuquerque in some respects some aspects is really embracing and diving down to that expectation. Uh, and as a result, gun crime is up, uh, you know, it just mm. crime in general is up. And, uh, and that is what gets covered quite a bit. And, uh, and the media cover what the media covers, you know, that's not, uh, what that comment is. It's just that sometimes I think it gives permission to certain elements of the society to say, Hey, it's okay to act bad because I saw it on TV. And, uh, so it's, it resets that social norm. And when in reality, um, you know, uh, knock on wood, you know, I've not had much of an issue with crime. I mean, I've had my house right. broken into before, but it's definitely, you know, there's the breaking bad on television and then there's the Albuquerque that I know and love. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's always easy to complain, to talk about crime rates, but I think that, um, you know, for the national conversation, it made Albuquerque relevant and, you know, the kind of the softer uh, side of things with better call Saul, uh, which is the mm-hmm. prequel to breaking bad uh, has shown a different part of Albuquerque. Now, of course it being the final seasons, it's getting a little bit darker on that as well. But, right. um, but you know, so how, how do you change that perception of Baltimore or do you, uh, do you push the arrow all the way through or do you just say, you know what, uh, that's the TV show. Uh, uh, but this is the Baltimore that I know. Well, it's such an interesting observation. I think we'd also be, um, it's also worth mentioning that for both cities and both programs, these weren't just kind of, you know, um, interesting shows that had a life and there were some fans. These, these are cult favorites that will endure for probably, you know, decades and generations. Like those two shows are like, not just, you know, tied to these cities we're talking about, but like in the lore of television history, they're held up as like some of the greatest drama in the history of the medium. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can't escape it because it's so big. It casts a very long shadow. And I think that's part of the story here. It's not just like, because there were other series that have been set in Baltimore. I'm not, I don't, I don't know about Albuquerque, but you know, there was, it was David Simon's work. There was homicide. Here's the legacy. He did homicide. Okay. Then he did the corner and then the wire. Well, one's about murder. One's about the drug game. Another one's about like uh, the drug game and everything else. So if you have a niche, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) The people around here will joke like, uh, you know, can't we just have a, a show called Roland Park? Um, which is like a really nice, like sort of Tony upscale North Baltimore neighborhood where like the houses are nice and people are kind to one another. And like, but that wouldn't make for great drama, I guess. Um, so kind of like pivoting to your question, I think, um, I guess, remind me, where are we right now? <laughs> what am I reacting to? <laughs> well, how do you change that perception? Like in Albuquerque, for example, uh, you know, we have a very vibrant business community. And, uh, you know, that is something that is not reflected and would not be reflected in a Breaking Bad or a, a Better Call Saul. I mean, you know, we have great investment from the federal government and the Sandia National Labs. Uh, you know, we have a really strong tech transfer program and emerging technology uh, sector. Um, you know, in addition to all the, you know, business trappings that come with being the metropolitan
Boston area as far as the financial center. A lot of really strong banks. You know, the craft beer culture is very strong here. Uh, and uh, so, you know, you have a lot of these positive things that when it comes to changing perception, I think you just kind of you accept Breaking Bad from a New Mexico perspective for what it is. And, you know, if people want to go by and see the car wash that the A1A, uh, <laughs> you know, car wash where I, I used to actually go quite a bit when I lived in that uh, part of Albuquerque. Uh, and I loved it, but man, they were always tourists outside grabbing pictures, which is not a bad thing for them to be growing, getting pictures of because it gets people in to take a look at it. But you know, you yeah. name it, claim it, and then you kind of move on and talk about the, the very positive aspects of a city, uh, which, you know, Albuquerque and Baltimore have plenty of. Right. And so to get at that point of how do you make, uh, change that perception, the, so if we're going to kind of, you know, you, you have, you do have to shine light on, on the city's, um, you know, great aspects. So we could talk about Johns Hopkins, um, university and hospital system, which employs a lot of people here and has continued to expand its footprint in the downtown region to kind of turn a lot of, um, housing that wasn't being utilized well into nicer housing and to, 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 for construction that's going on. Now there's also an argument there that you push out people who were there, um, but Hopkins is a shining star in Baltimore. Under Armour is a shining star in Baltimore. Um, the, the University of Maryland medical system is a is a very big downtown. There's all the graduate schools of pharmacy, and um, there's a hospital, and there's um, you know the medical school and the nursing school. It's all part of Baltimore's fabric, and you know that's nearby Oriole Park um, and Camden Yards, and then the home of the Ravens. That downtown sector is very vibrant. And um, there's a lot of development that's gone on around it, although our downtown area um, has challenges. And the, the kind of independent of the wire, you know, the city has not um, turned around a population decline that's been going on for maybe 30 years. The, the Baltimore's population as of the 2010 census was in the low 600,000s, and that's down um, over the years. I don't know the exact percentages, but it's it's been on a decline, whereas the regions around it, Baltimore County and the surrounding counties, have all been on an uptick. And so that's an area of concern. And so to change the, the perception, you have to both shine light on the things that are great, like the places um, I've mentioned. There's also a, a big tech economy here, a lot of good, good startup culture. There's a lot, um, great number of companies that are doing work in the cybersecurity realm that are interesting and well-funded and making, um, you know, creating jobs and kind of the new modern technology-driven economy. Um, but then we, we're missing that working class economy that we had a generation or two ago. And there is a, there's a significant violence problem there. Mm -hmm. The city remains a dangerous city in many parts of it. And we've had a change in leadership at the, I don't know if you, you know, if the news kind of was national, but our, our, uh, our mayor recently stepped down from, um, you know, some, a, a situation where, um, there was some corruption going on. And so now there's a new interim mayor and like that isn't good. So I, I think it's this combination of recognizing what is special and different, um, that is worth promoting and having difficult discussions and working over time to improve those areas that really need to be improved, better policing. And we just got a new police commissioner, but there's been a lot of controversy. Um, and you know, some unfortunate <laughs> resignations and, um, legal challenges from the past 
police commissioners. So we have had anything but smooth sailing over the last uh, ten, 10 years and longer. Hmm. Fascinating. In fact, um, all that is is great info. And one of the things I really wanted listeners in Albuquerque, New Mexico to understand is that, uh, you know, we're not alone. You know, there are other cities about the same size. Albuquerque has a population of 550,000 in the city itself. MSA is about uh, 650,000, about 2 million in the state. So you have more than a quarter of the population here in Albuquerque. Uh, But you know, it's just it's we're not alone, and uh, mm-hmm. I think you bring up some some great points. This has been time well spent. But before we jump on to uh, to to the wrap up, um, talk about Counselors Academy. Uh, I think it's really key. That's how you and I got to know each other, uh, which I've been the better for. How would you describe Counselors Academy to someone who might not know? Oh, thanks, Tom. Um, t- Counselors is a organization that's a part of the public relations. Society of America. So the um, the association for PR professionals, you know, is PRSA, and then there are sections, and our and a section that we're both been active with is Counselors Academy, which is a, a part that it caters to the to the um, needs and the conversations that are um, very valuable to people who own or run. Um, independent public relations firms. And so in our world, these are people, you could be an independent who just kind of is a solo public relations professional all the way up to, you know, a hundred or more employees. Our sweet spot tends to be up to, you know, um, oh, I don't know, a handful to, to 50 because we all kind of are running growing businesses and we all have very similar challenges, but in different markets, maybe in different focus areas. But what's wonderful about it is, you know, we get together um, at an annual conference, we have a Facebook page, we have personal relationships we rely on so that we can help each other both take advantage of opportunities, solve problems, um, act as coaches for one another. So it's just one of the best professional development networking things I've ever done in my career um, that's just opened the door so, to so many like wonderful relationships and opportunities. Yeah, I echo that from the first conference that I had in Mexico uh, back in 2010 uh, to today. It's a, I echo everything that you say about counselors. I think that's great. Uh, Greg Abel, Able Communications, thank you for joining us. How can people find you and your firm? Thanks, Tom. Um, we are online at ablecommunications.com. It's A-B-E-L communications.com. And if anybody wants to drop me a note, my email is greg. G-R-E-G at ablecommunications.com. Thank you for listening to the Perception Podcast. This is Tom Garrity. For more information about the Garrity Group and for more podcasts like this, visit GarrityPR.com or aboutperception.com.